What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you get all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes, literally any of our baseball content. And we are giving away a draft guide right now. If you head over to Twitter, you got to be following EthosFantasyBB. I tweeted out about an hour ago. you got to like the tweet. Go and follow the Ethos page, and you will be entered for a chance to win one of our draft guides for free, the MLB Draft Guide, which will be coming out over the next couple of weeks, aiming for around Valentine's Day. It'll probably be in the days right after Valentine's Day, so the 15th or 16th of February. But go over to social media, check that out. All you got to do is like one tweet, follow one account, and you can win our draft guide for free. Also go to sportsethos.com if you're not somebody who has already checked it out, or if you don't use social media, it's a great place to get everything right from the source. Our plan was to do the Detroit Tigers today with Michael Govier, but we have had to reschedule. Michael had something come up at work, so we're going to do that show next Monday, I believe, as of right now. Next week will be filled with team previews. We have the Mariners, we have the Yankees, and we have the Tigers all planned. And then next Friday, we are going to be doing our 500th episode. Eno Saris and Nick Pollock are going to be joining the show. Very special show, and we are going to be talking about the differences between our SP rankings. Eno's came out last week. Nick's are coming out this Tuesday, and mine are not yet available. They'll be coming out as part of the draft guide, and I'll release little bits of, uh, of information there as well. Um, you know, I won't release the whole thing publicly, but I'll give away bits and pieces as well. Um, but all of our draft, uh, all of our starting pitcher draft rankings are going to be discussed next Friday on the show. So make sure you guys are checking that one out. But today we've had to do a bit of a pivot and I'm going to be doing the Colorado Rockies team preview. I did say, <clears throat> I don't know when we were talking about this. I guess when I did the Nationals preview that I was going to be doing certain team previews on my own, you know, the athletics I'll probably do on my own. I'm thinking the Angels I'll probably do on my own as well. And the Colorado Rockies, there's no real need um, <laughs> to bring on anybody else here to, to hear about the Colorado Rockies. I'll get through this one myself because they're really not uh, such an exciting team. I mean, I can still bring on a guest, but I don't think I really need to when it's a team like the Rockies where I don't have to go as deep as I would with a lot of teams. We are probably not going to talk about any of their starting pitchers because there is absolutely no need to. For fantasy baseball purposes, the Colorado Rockies rotation is is an absolute dumpster fire. There is no need to go anywhere near it. You can even argue that going anywhere near anybody in the pen is kind of a mistake. Um, their whole their whole pitching staff is a, is a nightmare. And just to put it into perspective, the highest pitcher getting drafted by the um, from the Colorado Rockies by ADP is Justin Lawrence, who is projected to be their closer. His ADP is 445. He is the first Rockies pitcher going off the board. So... There's not a hell of a lot of talent there on the pitching side, to say the least. We are going to get into mostly the batting order, and the order actually does have some intrigue. There's also the fact that it is Colorado, so you know it's, it's a little more interesting than it would be on the surface if this lineup was in another ballpark. We're going to do what we usually do, get started right from the top of the order, and we'll go with Charlie Blackman, projected top of the order anyway. Um, we're looking at Fangraph's roster resource. We'll also use MLBPlayingTime.com from time to time, which is Mike Curlin's website, which I would definitely be checking out. Mike projects both the left-handed, uh, the lineup against lefties, and the lineup against righties. He gives you some notes there as well. Uh, it's a great resource to be using. But let's start off with Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman is definitely nowhere near what he used to be when he was a first-round fantasy stud, if you look back, anywhere from 2014 to about 2019. 
Uh, he was a first-round caliber player. These last few years have not been great. You know, injuries, getting older. He's 37 years old, and he'll turn 38 in the middle of next season. So definitely not the youngest guy in the world. He does not have the speed that he once did. The power is not there either. And, I mean, the batting average is still good. He batted 279 last year, 264 the year prior. But we're talking about a guy who had, you know, a 309 season, a 324, 331, 314, 303. He's not going to be that type of asset for you anymore. I don't really think there's much interest that I have in Charlie Blackman at this point. If you're drafting one of those draft champions, draft and hold type of format, you need a little bit of depth. You want to take a backup outfielder. Then I can see Blackman being an okay uh, insurance piece, right? If you have him anywhere near your starting lineup, it's it's not ideal. And most builds you wouldn't ever have to. This is only a very extreme case. He's going to pick 430 if you just fully punted outfielders. If you did not take a look at outfielders for the first... I don't know, 20 rounds of your draft and you're, you know, I wouldn't do this, but if you are doing a punt outfielder build, that's kind of the only way I could see Blackman realistically getting into your starting lineup. I would not recommend it. I would absolutely not recommend it. He is somebody that is just strictly going to be at this point of his career for fantasy purposes, a depth piece. I don't know that he's going to be an everyday player at 38 years old. We saw him DH two thirds of the time he was out there last year, 61 games out of the 96. So I don't really see him being a massive real-life asset for the Rockies at this stage or from your fantasy uh, point of views. Might be a little bit of a batting average asset, but overall, uh, you know, at this point of the draft, try and aim for some upside. With Charlie Blackman, there's there's really nothing to write home about at this point. You might get 10 homers and 5 steals. You might. And even that is is maybe pushing it a little bit here at this stage of his career. Let's talk to his. Let's talk to Ezekiel Tovar. Let's talk about Ezekiel Tovar, the young Rocky shortstop. There's something about Rocky shortstops that make you think, well, they're going to succeed. If you just look at the way that it's gone the last couple decades between Troy Tulowitzki and Trevor Story, I've been kind of hoping that Ezekiel Tovar is going to be the guy who does fit into this next. And if you look at the projections, they're they're pretty good. I don't think he's going to be the same level as Tulo and as Trevor Story, but. You know, last year was 15 and 11. He's projected generally for like 17 and 15, 18 and 14, 16 and 13. A slight improvement there. And he's also projected to increase his batting average across all the different sites, 270, or all the different projections, I should say, 273 from the Bat X, 262 from ATC. Generally, you're looking at between a 260 and 270 batting average. And that ballpark. I could I could pretty easily see him getting close to 300. In the minor leagues, when you weren't looking at the Coors factor, we saw seasons of 309, 318. You know, he was never a consistently above 300 type of hitter. Sometimes you'd see him go into the 260s, 270s. But in Coors, I feel like over time, we're going to see Tovar turn into, at the very least, a 275, 280 hitter. He's got a decent power-speed combo for a shortstop, and I think 2020 is something that we could see from him. The speed is pretty damn good. 11 stolen bases in 153 games last year is probably not what we were expecting. If you look back over his minor league career in 2022, he stole 17 bases. 2021, it was 24. Uh, in 2020, obviously didn't get to play the minor league season because there wasn't one. But 2019, it was 17 bags. 2018, it was 16 bags. I feel like realistically, we can get 15 to 20 stolen bases from him. Close to 20 homers, I think 17 or 18. And, and that's kind of the main part of it is the power speed that you are getting in a good ballpark. Obviously, Colorado's an amazing ballpark. I don't think you're going to get a hell of a lot in terms of counting stats, even though he will likely be 
in the top of the order, whether it's the one hole or the two hole, likely batting second. He's not somebody who's a huge on-base threat. In fact, he's kind of poor in that regard. Uh, not a high walk rate, doesn't get on base a ton. But I think from a fantasy point of view, Tovar makes a, a decent bit of sense. He is one of the more expensive Rockies. I know it's going to sound crazy. At pick 195, he has the second most expensive Rocky. If you're going to wait on shortstop, I think that he is a decent option for sure. Uh, pick 195 in a 15-teamer is like round 13. If you're talking a 12-teamer, it's about round 16 or 17. He is a good option if you are going to punch shortstop. Then he's kind of the poster boy for me or one of them uh, this season. Somebody that still has 20-20 potential with good batting average. I've been in on him uh, for like a year plus. I think that this is going to be a year where Tovar maybe doesn't fully break out, but where he has a really, really good season. And I think that he is probably worth it there going close to pick 200. Now let's talk about the guy who is one of the more controversial players in fantasy this year, and that is Nolan Jones. I like Nolan Jones. I think he's a good ball player. You know, he had a really good season last year, probably a little bit lucky as well. In 106 games, he went 2020. In, in 106 games to go 2020 is really impressive. The steals are particularly surprising because he was never somebody who stole in the minor leagues. 2016, he had three steals. 2017, it was one. 18, it was two. 19, it was seven. 2021, it was 10. Uh, last year, it was nine. It was, uh, excuse me, actually 2022 was four. And then last year, he had five in the minors and then 20 in the big league. So a 25 steal season in 145 games for Nolan Jones if you combine the minors and the majors. Also 32 homers if you're going to go about it that way. The BABIP is what is really concerning, the batting average on balls in play. Now, you're going to skew to a higher batting average in Colorado, the hitting environment. You're, you know That's why we've seen for 20, 30 years now these absurd stat lines from Colorado players. You're not going to see a 400 BABIP. You're just not. It's going to come down, and the projections still think he'll have a really good batting average on balls in play, that it'll be somewhere in the 350 to 360 range. But that's coming down 60 points, 50, 60 points from last year where he did bat 297, but that BABIP, if it comes down 50 points, like you're probably looking at a 250, 260 type of hitter. That's what I'm saying right now. The projections think it'll be a little bit higher. Between 262 and 277 is what they haven't projected for. I think 260 is a reasonable number. The thing that's going to come down is, aside from the batting average, the stolen bases. That's just not something that is a part of his profile. He stole a lot last year, took advantage of the rules, but this is not who he is. He's not somebody who is going to be burning you on the bases and stealing you know, 20 times over 106 games. You're extrapolating that like a 30-plus steal pace. It's just not who Nolan Jones is. So you're going to be disappointed taking him as a quote-unquote steals asset. The power is pretty legit. I could see him getting to close to 25 homers, but that's likely going to come with 10 or fewer steals and a 260 batting average while playing in a fairly poor lineup. Nolan Jones is going in the fourth round of drafts. Depending on your format, he might be considered the fifth round. 59 is his ADP. It's super expensive. There's no two ways about it. If you want Nolan Jones, you're paying a premium for something that, you know, did he do it? Kind of, over 109 games. But you got the whole Coors factor, which you know can um, inflate stats. And you can say, well, he's going to be playing in Coors again this year. It's not always the same year to year. Look at Todd Helton seasons. Look at Carlos Gonzalez. Look at Blackman. Look at you know Larry Walker. They're not. They were great as Rockies, but it wasn't consistently every single year where they were just boom, 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 boom. And we're talking Hall of Fame level players there for the most part. Royce or Royce Nolan Jones is still a really young dude, and he could potentially grow into you know something close to that. Potentially, we we don't really know. He's twenty five years old. 
Um, or has he turned 20? No, he hasn't turned 26 yet. He'll be 26 in a few months. But as a 25-year-old, 2020 in his first true cup of coffee in the big leagues, I know he played 28 games uh, the year prior, but this was his real coming out party. People are real excited, and that's kind of the problem with it. People get super excited about these young players, especially in Colorado. He goes 2020. It's like the perfect recipe for overvaluation the next year. I just don't see him being somebody that's going to return a fourth or a fifth round price. I could be wrong, but I think in that range, you could go for Randy Arozarena. You can go for Adelise Garcia. You could go for um, who else is outfield? I'm trying to look for specifically outfielders. Cody Bellinger is going in that range. Jazz Chisholm and Mike Trout, there's different concerns there. But I think the upside is much higher with those guys. Like There are options, and if you don't want to go outfield, you can go relief pitcher. You can go for Doval, Iglesias, David Bednar all going around him. You can get Max Freed. You can go for an Adley Rutschman type. You can go Drawn Duran. There are so many options in this range. I don't love the range as a whole, but there are definitely better options available to you than Nolan Jones, considering how how I don't want to say fluky, but kind of how fluky, especially the stolen bases were, and I think the batting average to some extent as well. We're going to see him come back down to earth this year, and I think that fourth-round price, third-round price, fifth-round price, it's going to look pretty ugly. Let's talk Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant I'm kind of in on this year. You know, he's had the, the plantar fasciitis, which is not great, but I think, honestly, if you look at most of his injuries for his career, I'm just going to pull up the injury history page they're not super concerning to me, a lot of them. Like, the foot injury is. But if you look back on his his uh, on his injuries throughout his career, they're not, like, the same thing getting hurt over and over again for the most part. The foot is the only thing that's really concerning, but it's also, like, a finger, a heel here, the side, the hamstring. It's just random stuff, oblique. It's a pretty serious injury history of the last couple of years. I'm at the point right now where I'm going to – Try and give him the benefit of the doubt. He's healthy now. We haven't seen a full core season from Chris Bryant. The last two years have been plagued with injuries. We're only talking about 122 games combined. If he's able to give you 120-some-odd games, then I think that he's probably worth it. It's all. It's the question we have with so many players this year, or every single year, really. Are they going to maintain the health? Are they going to be worth it? Um, because there's a lot of injuries in their history or whatever. I'll take a chance on Bryant as a bounce back. He's kind of a classic guy at this point where, you know, the price is so low where if you take him, it's almost like a Byron Buxton, Eloy Jimenez situation this year where you're taking him, he's going at pick 284. If he doesn't pan out, then he doesn't pan out. It's the 24th round pick in a 12-teamer. The upside is that of, you know, he's an MVP from just a few years ago. Even just in 2021, he was great. There's still really high upside with Chris Bryant. It's weird to see him as an outfield-only eligible guy at this point. Uh, maybe he plays enough first that he can gain first-base eligibility. He played there seven times last year. I don't expect it, but anyway, that's a side note. Kind of weird to see him not third-base eligible anymore, but I think that we can see Bryant kind of get back on track. It's just a matter of the health, and I think I'll take a chance on that at pick 285. I, I really don't have a problem with him in that range. doesn't work out, then you can drop him, especially in your 12-teamers. You know, that's like the last pick of the draft. Ryan McMahon. I've talked about Ryan McMahon quite a bit over the last couple of months. Uh, I really like him. I, I think that, you know, that kind of consistency, even though it's not consistency at the highest level, it's not, you know, Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley level consistency. It's a couple tiers down from that for sure. But you're getting between 20 and 25 homers. You're getting five to seven steals, 80 or so ribbies. 80 or so runs, and about a 250 batting average. I think there's something real to be said about getting exactly what you know you're going to get from a player. 
there are certain players that have a wide variance every single year. It could be, you know, 10 home runs. It could be 30. It could be 10 steals. It could be 25, might hit 300, might hit 240. There are some players, and I'm not saying there's one player that bounces back and forth that dramatically, but that's kind of what you're looking at with a lot of players. Not a lot of year in and year out consistency. Ryan McMahon does exactly the same thing every year. The projections all across the board are incredibly aligned on him. In terms of batting average, they're only separated by about seven points. At, you know, the highest home run projection is 24. The lowest is 21. Five steals to seven, 73 to 77 runs. It's like they're very, very tight there. There's not a lot of variance that you're going to find with Ryan McMahon. And I think considering you're getting second and third base eligibility, which is kind of huge, you get the middle and the corner infield spots taken care of hypothetically. A 231 price on him, I think is amazing. Like I've taken Ryan McMahon a couple times this year in draft season. I will continue to draft him. He's not somebody who is going to be pushed way up draft boards. He's somebody that's going to probably remain past pick 200. I'd be shocked if he went inside of it. There's just no real hype that you're going to get around him. And he's going to continue to do what he always does. So give me Ryan McMahon there at pick 230, 240, generally. Very rarely ever getting inside the top 200. I think it potentially could be one of the better picks this season. I think he should be going probably 30, 40 picks higher. But we're getting him here in the 230 range. We have officially passed the exciting phase here of the Rockies. Those are the guys that will probably have some decent fantasy relevance this year. I don't know about Blackman so much. As we get into the second half of the order here, we start with Brendan Rodgers. And, you know, this is where we start to kind of grasp a little bit. There's not much. There's really not much here. Brendan Rodgers has no speed, like no speed. You're getting zero stolen bases. You're probably not getting an amazing batting average out of him. You know, I'm going to try and, and not be so negative about the rest of the Rockies team because I know there will be some Rockies fans listening, but it's going to be a really, really tough season for you. Brendan Rodgers is going to be probably getting meaningful at-bats in the middle of the order. He's somebody who's, I think, a okay player, but, I mean, he, he's really not ideal. Real life or fantasy-wise, he does not, get a high, not have a high on base percentage. His batting average, I don't really know exactly what to expect from him. He hit 284 in 2021, and then it was 266, and then it was 258. Projections have him going for as high as 287. The bat X seems to really like him. I think that you're realistically looking at like a 13, or I think what ATC has is pretty reasonable. 13 homers, 60 ribbies, and a 271 batting average. He's fine. He's nothing to write home about. He's somebody who is more... You know, if you're playing in a, in a Yahoo 12-team league, Brandon Rogers is not somebody that you need to worry about. If you're playing in one of those draft and holds, like I mentioned, then he can provide a bit of second base depth, but he should be nowhere near your starting lineup. I, and I don't mean to sound like I'm coming off like, I hate this guy, I hate Brandon Rogers. I don't at all. I just don't think that he's going to be uh, a great fantasy asset this season. There's just really not a hell of a lot he does. Now, if he is able to get that batting average of 287, or, yeah, 287 and play 130 games, then there is definitely value in that. I just have my doubts of him staying on the field, having a full-time job here. Um, you know, I think he'll probably play most of the time, but it won't be enough. Like, he's one of those players that the talent is not high enough that he can get by on 110, 120 games. Like, he needs to volume his way into fantasy relevance. If he wants to be anything outside of a bench piece, depth, whatever you fill him in, and there is some value in having a, a Rockies guy on your bench. They have a week that's fully at Coors. You can plug him in there. You might get two or three homers. 
I just think that you're kind of limited in terms of the overall upside. Unless you get 150 games out of him, then maybe he can get you 20 homers and 80 ribbies. I just think that you know he needs a lot to go right, Brendan Rodgers, in uh, in order to actually be a good fantasy asset this season. I just don't really have a lot of faith there. Um, the rest of the lineup: Hunter Goodman, Elias Diaz, and Brenton Doyle. I I just don't see it to be honest with you. Um, if you're looking at the projections for Hunter Goodman, you know they're they're okay. They're they're not bad, but again, I just I just don't have a lot of faith here. I mean, I think that they're actually kind of overvaluing him. I mean, it, they, he is one of those guys who has varied projections across the different sites. The bad X has him for 13 homers and 45 RBI, um, ATC 14 and 54. Steamer has him for 23 homers and 68 ribbies, and then Zips is drunk on him, 24 and 87. I don't see it personally. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's had 23 games in the big league, so you don't really know exactly what they're going to look like. Good power in the minors. The batting average was always kind of flying all over the place. It was either, you know, 227 or 315, and then it was 371 and then 239. I have no idea what his batting average looks like in the bigs. The power, I think, is, is pretty legit in cores. If you want like a late source of power, that's kind of it that you're going to be getting out of him, though. I'd pick 426. There's no real problem with it. I just I just don't know that it's really something you want to go for at that point. I think that he's fine. And I know that I'm coming across as like, oh, you're, you hate, you just hate the Rockies. Like, I just think that they're not a team that there's a lot to look for for fantasy purposes. You know, you might get 20 home runs out of Goodman if he plays enough. There's a lot of players in Major League Baseball that are capable of giving you 20 home runs that give you a little bit more uh, in terms of the extras. You know, you're getting maybe one steal out of Goodman. You're getting a bad lineup around him. Somebody was talking the other day about the OPS that the Rockies players have put up in Coors over the last 10 years. And it's, you know, it's better than it probably should be, but it's still not great. Like, I think we kind of look at this field and think, like, anybody can have value playing in Colorado. I don't think that that's the case. Maybe it was when they had a lot more talent top to bottom in the, you know, the late 90s and into the 2000s. They went to a World Series in 07. Those teams were different. And even into the 2010s with guys like Carlos Gonzalez and Blackman, they they were different. At this point, a guy like Goodman and a lot of these players... You know, it's similar to what I said about Rodgers. If they play a whole season, 160 games, 150 games, they probably volume their way into enough value that they're worth it in a lot of leagues. I just don't see that happening. The projections for Goodman especially, a lot of them call for 85 games. Some of them are calling for 118. I just don't think even at 118 games, you know, if he gets there, then you're maybe getting to 20 some some odd home runs. And I'm not saying that there's no value in that. I'm just saying you can find that in a more well-rounded package from a lot of different players at this point of the draft still. Like, pick 400, it sounds really deep, but it's not as deep as you might think. Um, there are players that are not going to be, you know, just stuck on home runs. I'm going to just go to that ADP range here so I don't continue to sound like an idiot. I'm just saying in the 400-some-odd range, you can you can do a lot, you know. Mitch Hanniger's going there, and Mitch Hanniger is kind of a guy where you got to worry about health, but we know Mitch Hanniger has a 40-home-run season in the bigs. Uh, Rowdy Telez is a huge bounce-back candidate in the 400s. Ryan Noda just had a really good year. Carlos Santana also just had a good season as well. You can take a chance on Jason Dominguez. You can go for Ramon Laureano. Uh, Eddie Rosario is in that range. Seth Brown. There's a lot of options, and I think that they're not all perfect, but I just don't really want to get into the Coors business as much as I can. A lot of these players are 
fairly unstartable when it comes to road games. Just remember what we went through with CJ Crone for the last few years. You play him at home, but you literally have to sit him on the road. So you're already getting a guy where you need volume for them to be valuable, and then you might have to sit them on the road, and it's like, what are we talking about here? Take a player who is a little more of a sure thing. Hunter Goodman, if you want to take one chance on him, if you're playing a bunch of leagues, it's fine. If you're a single-shot player, I just don't see him holding enough value to really be worth it in my eyes this season. And I could be wrong, but I just think that outside of Tovar Jones, Bryant, and McMahon, we're not looking at a hell of a lot of value here in this lineup. Let's talk about one more player in the lineup, and that's Elias Diaz. He might be the rare case that he actually could have value lower on in this order just because of the nature of the position. Catcher stinks. Catcher, I know people will say it's deeper, it's deeper. It doesn't mean it's good. It's not a good position. Like, it's better than it was, for sure. But it's not amazing. Elias Diaz is going as the 23rd catcher off the board, an ADP of 262. As a number two catcher for you, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, he should not be your number one starting catcher, probably. I think that you're, you're, you're taking a bit of a chance there. He had a pretty good season last year, but he also did fall off quite a bit down the stretch. You're probably looking at low double-digit homers. I mean... 55, 60 runs, 50 RBI, maybe something like that, and about a 250 batting average. There's actually decent value in that. Uh, I think that you're looking at decent batting average from a catcher. At any point, you got to take a look at it. You do have the course factor, however much you want to weigh it. So I think that as a C2, he makes sense. If you're playing in a one-catcher league, 12-team, 15-team, even if it's 20-team, I don't know that Elias Diaz is, is a guy that I'm looking at. But any two-catcher format, as your C2, I don't, have, I don't have any real problem with it. I just think, you know, what he did last year was in 141 games. Catchers don't usually get to 141 games. You can probably scale back everything he did last year to some extent by, like, I don't know, maybe 20%, 15% of takeoff what he did last year. And that's probably what you're going to get this season. Not necessarily in terms of the rate stats, but in terms of the volume numbers, that 14 homers probably goes to 10, 72 ribbies probably goes to 60, 48 runs goes to 40 or so. I am I think he's okay, again, as your second catcher, but not somebody that I would want to have uh, starting for you. The last guy, and I, I will mention him, uh, projected about ninth in the order, is Brenton Doyle. And there is some value, I think, in Brenton Doyle in a deep, deep format because he's going to play the outfield. He's going to be out there, like, every single day. He is one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball, and I believe he won the gold glove. I think that he won a gold glove last year. I'm not, I don't pay attention to that stuff so much, but he is going to play because of his defense. He's going to pick 418, and he's actually somebody that I could see myself getting behind to some extent because you're getting power and speed from him. You know, you got to be doing more. Like Goodman is just a potential for power. Like maybe he gets 20 homers. With Doyle, he's going to play, and he has shown power and speed already. And the power is projected to take a step forward in year two. You're looking at anywhere from 14 to 17 homers projected. You're going to get about the same number of steals based on what we're seeing from the various systems. But you're looking at about a 15 and 20 season with a 240 batting average. You're getting that at pick two. What did I say it was? No, pick four, 420. I was about to say 240, but it's about 420 uh, where he is going on average, 418. For that kind of profile, you know, I know it's risky, the ninth hole hitter for Colorado, but you know, in that kind of range, this is not for your 10 and 12 team leagues. This is for your deeper leagues where you're hoping for something to happen. You need a little bit of you know backup insurance for playing time. He's going to have playing time, and he's going to have power and speed. So those two things right there, I would be fairly interested past pick 400. 
you're getting a more well-rounded package than you would be with the others. And you also get the fact that, well, he gets on from the nine hole. He's got the top of the order to try and bring him in, and he might score more runs than you might be thinking. The projection systems have him, some of them, for over 60. Zips has him for over 70 runs. So you might get some sneaky value from Brenton Doyle. Not that he's going to be somebody, again, that I'm pushing up boards, must-draft player, but there could be some sneaky value there. I'm honestly, I wasn't joking before, we're not going to talk about these starting pitchers. There is absolutely no need to. They are atrocious. The projected ERAs for this rotation, 551, 544, 549, 528, and 543. It's brutal. It's absolutely atrocious. We're talking about Kyle Freeland, Cal Quantrill, Austin Gomber, uh, Ryan Feltner, and Dakota Hudson. There is no need to draft or even look in the direction of any one of these players in your draft. You are never going to want to start them at Coors. You may occasionally want them on the road, and if that's the case, then take them as a streamer if you really want to. But even in that case, it'd have to be an absolutely shitful week or day to use any of these guys as a streamer. You know, Maybe if they go into Oakland, maybe against the Nationals or something, but there is absolutely no need to draft any starters for this team. Justin Lawrence is the guy projected as the closer right now. We talked about how he's the most expensive pitcher there. If you need saves at this point of the draft, then he's not bad because he's going a lot later than everybody else at pick 407. But you're not getting a skilled pitcher either. Like You're getting a guy who is going to walk a lot of batters. The strikeout rate is not where it should be for a closer. If he is able to maintain this role, it'll be strictly because they don't have anybody else to go in there. Last year was a 3.72 ERA. The supporting metrics were, you know, telling you that that was actually fairly legit, that he's probably somebody who is like a, you know, high threes, low fours type of ERA, which is fine. I'd pick 400. You get some saves probably. You know, it's not even probably. You're going to get some saves. It's just a matter of will it be 10, will it be 25. You know, famously Daniel Bard in um, Daniel Bard in 2022 had 34 saves for the Rockies, and they only won 68 games. So weirder things have happened. Um, Justin Lawrence is the guy that you should be taking a look at there if you want to have some late source of saves. Other than him, Tyler Kinley, Daniel Bard, I mean, there's really not a lot to like in this ballpen. If you're looking at the projected ERAs for the pen, 498, 541, 468, 510, 468 again, uh, 517, and 524. Please do not draft Rockies pitchers. If there is anybody to draft, it's Justin Lawrence because he's going to probably get you some saves and he's cheaper than the other closers, but you do not want to be in the Rockies pitcher business. If you are somebody who is a little bit newer to fantasy or you know maybe it's your first year playing, do not draft any Rockies. Do not put them in your lineup, especially the pitchers. You know If you want to take a Tovar or one of those guys we mentioned in the lineup, then I'm all for it. The pitchers are going to be the bane of your existence. Do not go anywhere near them. There may be potentially five games during the season where you can stream Rockies pitchers. Five or six games where they are going to Oakland on the road, and you can probably get you know two or three games out of them. That's pretty much it for the Rockies. That is going to do it for us for today, though. I really appreciate everybody coming and hanging out. If you haven't done so already, Please do leave us a rating and review. It really does help the show to grow. 
whether it is on Google you listen or Apple or Spotify. Uh, hit that five-star button. Leave some kind words down below. You really help me out, and you help Sports Ethos out as well. Uh, go over to social media, Joe Orico 99 We are giving away one of our draft guides, which will be out in the next couple of weeks. you got to go and like the tweet, and you got to go and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. I shout it out at you guys every single day anyway. Go ahead and just follow and be done with it. You get all of our new content, podcasts, articles, news and notes, updates to the draft guide, Anything of that nature you will find there at Ethos Fantasy BB. Also go to sportsethos.com. Get everything right from the source. If you're not somebody who uses social media, you get everything right there as well. That'll do it though, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, take care. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.